listening to the Go and Tell Gals podcast, and I'm your host, Jess Conklin. In most of our episodes, we'll have a guest, a woman who is running on mission right where she's at. We pray this podcast leaves you encouraged and spurred on to go and tell the good news. Hello, friends. We have a fun and different podcast for you today. In lieu of an interview or a coaching session with me, we are just going to share with you the intro to my new book, You Are the Girl for the Job. So what's about to follow is straight from the book. It's actually straight from the audiobook, which is me reading the words of the book. And I'm so excited to share it with you guys. I'm not going to lie. I'm also a tiny bit nervous because you're some of the first people who are going to get to hear it, but we pray it is a huge blessing for you today. And we pray it just gives you a little bit more of a glimpse into what you'll find in you are the girl for the job. So wherever you're at, if you're riding in the car or sipping your coffee or folding laundry, In Jesus' name, I pray this meets you and encourages you right where you're at. Introduction, my spin class revelation. I sat on a bike in a dark and emo cycling studio. The room was shadowy with lights that rose and fell, evoking emotion, matching the rise and fall of our intensity. The music was loud, so loud the words were almost indistinguishable, but the impact wasn't diminished. There was a thumping, a thriving undertone set by the sound, and it was perceived by everyone in the room. I'd come in that morning defeated, to say the least, jet-lagged and heartsick from an incredibly hard season, but I found myself swept up in the passion and energy in the absolute best way. It was a 7 a.m. spin class in Los Angeles. I was on the West Coast for a work trip and the whole week I'd honestly felt like a character in a romantic comedy. You know, the one where the woman gets scorned by her lover and rushes off to see some new piece of the world, only to find herself and figure out that she was all she really needed in the first place. Okay, that wasn't quite the story I was living. But I was a broken gal, temporarily in a new place, praying for a fresh wind and hoping for some healing. I'd come to LA fresh on the heels of an incredibly painful season in our church. I'm a pastor's wife, a church planner's wife to be exact. And while some moments of leading the church are exhilarating and we feel like we're seeing in new colors, other seasons are heartbreaking. And it feels like signing up to run on mission is the same as signing up to have your heart poked by toothpicks incessantly for years. We'd recently sat through meeting after meeting after meeting, handling our own shortcomings and sorting through the pain of the people we love the most. Pain we'd caused, pain they'd caused, all of it hard and all of it broken. This work trip had been planned in the midst of it, so while leaving felt like the absolute last thing I wanted to do, it was what I had to do, and I was trying to make the most of it. I packed my sunglasses and my most West Coasty clothes, lots of black, and hopped on the plane, eager to see what God had for me on the other side. As I made the almost all-day trek from Charleston, South Carolina to LAX, I found a sliver of airplane internet and booked a bike at my favorite spin place, SoulCycle, for a 7 a.m. class. Have you ever been to SoulCycle? It's a mix between a dance club, a fitness class, and a really incredible worship service. 
I basically can't get enough of it. Right now, you can only find a true soul cycle class in pretty large cities. So anytime I'm in a bigger city, I figure out how to make my way toward one. Austin, LA, Washington, DC, New York. If I'm in one of those spots, I'm heading to soul cycle. So far, I haven't made it through a class without crying. Not because the physicality of the exercise is so tough, but because the experience is so moving for me. It's the perfect combination for my personality to feel alive. Mixing physical exertion with loud music and excited crowds, a dark room, dance music, and someone pushing me to go further. I'm done. I'm toast. I'm so happy. I'm so moved. I'm in heaven. Soul Cycle is my happy place. It's not everyone's cup of tea. If you're easily overstimulated or overwhelmed, or if being pushed emotionally and physically makes you feel threatened, you're going to want to stay far away from the dark room with the thumping music and the headset-ready instructor who wants to change your life. I sat there in the room with my dark and bruised-up heart, desperate to move and desperate to be moved by God, searching for Him in a spin class for two significant reasons. One, I think God can move anywhere and often does. And two, my church suddenly didn't feel so safe for me. There were no leaders to blame other than myself and there was nowhere to hide. So I was looking to be led and fed anywhere and everywhere God was willing to show up. I was listening to sermons, spending hours on my knees and pouring over God's word for encouragement. But I was also looking for him on this trip to LA. Come, Father. Breathe a fresh wind, bring a fresh fire, do more soul work in me in this short trip than I could ask or imagine. Put the romantic comedy storyline to shame with some renewed sense of purpose you're going to bring. Please. I went in needy and God showed up. The word of God agreed. The instructor's name was David, and I can't tell you if he's a Christian, but I can tell you I wouldn't be surprised if he was because it was 7 a.m. on a Friday, and David straight up got to work, ministering to everyone in the room, including me. From the moment the doors closed, the lights dimmed, and the volume of the music increased, he started preaching. To be honest, he never got on his bike once. He had a standing gouge to do the cycling for him, so he could use every ounce of his energy to lead us. And as the music pulsed and our feet started pumping, David paced and yelled. He started the class honoring one rider who just happened to be celebrating her birthday. He had us cheer for her, and then he got more intentional and personal in his affirmation as the class went on. He started by telling her that joy was her birthright, hope was her birthright, and love was her birthright. He told her that this was a fresh year, a fresh chance to be who she was made to be, to step into her calling and step away from the fears of the past. I was just one bike behind her, and I watched her feet speed up, watched the tears carve paths down her cheeks, watched her nod in agreement with what he was saying. David was giving, she was receiving, and it was beautiful. But then he turned to the rest of us, and in a loud and emphatic voice, he began assuring us of the same truths. It might not be our birthdays. It might not be a literal new year for us, but it could be the start of something new. We could leave behind the brokenness of our past and press into a new season. His words meant more to me than he could have guessed because I didn't just hear them as general wisdom and empty truths. 
The word of God tucked into my heart agreed with the affirmations this stranger was saying over me. Second Corinthians 5.17 was resounding in my brain. The old has gone, the new has come. It was the very first verse I memorized as a believer 20 years ago. And the Lord was bringing it to mind in that very moment, reminding me that the hurt I'd left behind in Charleston didn't have to dictate my future purpose. I was grateful, relieved, and refreshed. So I pedaled faster. A song began that coincided with a steep climb on our bikes. As it progressed, we were supposed to choose to increase the incline ourselves. If you haven't been to a stationary cycling class, here's how this works. The difficulty of the pedaling is controlled by a small knob on your bike. As you turn it to the right, the resistance increases, simulating a hill. As you turn to the left, pedaling gets easier. You can feel like you're flying downhill, riding on flat ground, or basically biking up a mountain. You choose by turning the knob and picking your own poison. It's worth it to know that theoretically, you could fake your way through a spin class pretty easily, keeping it turned to low resistance the entire class, but I'm sure you know the saying, you'd only be cheating yourself. As David encouraged us to keep turning the wheel, to keep pushing against the defeated feeling within us that told us we couldn't, he dropped yet another truth bomb. You will repeat what you don't repair. He started explaining, again, the universal truth that the wounds for which we don't seek healing will just be replicated over and over in our lives. I thought about my romantic comedy running story, how I'd escaped Charleston just at the pinnacle of my pain, hoping to come back lighter and somehow not caring about all that had been done to me, somehow instinctively able to avoid making the same mistakes over and over again. Hebrews 12, 14 through 15 from the message version of the Bible came to mind. Work at getting along with each other and with God. Otherwise, you'll never get so much as a glimpse of God. Make sure no one gets left out of God's generosity. Keep a sharp eye out for weeds of bitter discontent. A thistle or two gone to seed can ruin a whole garden in no time. You will repeat what you don't repair. A thistle or two can ruin the whole garden. God's truth, transcending church walls yet again. Lord, I thought, as I spun faster, I'm listening I receive this moment and all that you're bringing to the surface. I'll acknowledge my own pain and even examine it if growth will come on the other side. The problem presented. Gals, I could write a hundred more pages about the wisdom David shared that morning. He just kept going and going and going, affirming, encouraging, gesturing wildly, and shouting eternal promises to my shattered heart. The Holy Spirit inside me was working just as hard as I was pedaling, it seemed, connecting the words of our instructor to the revelation of God's word that was tucked in my memory. It was line after line of life to my very heavy heart. The second the class was over, I bolted to my locker, grabbed my phone, and tapped an iPhone screen full of notes. I typed out all the little nuggets of wisdom and truth that my new friend David had poured into my heart through his words. And then, with my own words just about spilling out of me, I found my husband's name in my contacts and called him, burdened to my core with one idea that had risen to the surface above them all. Nick? Hey, babe, it's me. I just got out of Soul Cycle and I need to tell you about it. This 45-minute spin class I just took, it was more life-giving, more encouraging, and spoke more truth to me than any Christian event I've ever sat through. I felt like I belonged 
more than I have in any community of believers. And it seemed like I was challenged more by truth, compelled and called to change more than I ever have been through a book or a sermon or a conversation with a friend. I met with the Lord in Soul Cycle today, and I'm realizing that people everywhere are getting what they need from God, from everyone else but believers. Because our church is not this encouraging. And our friends who love God do not speak life like this. I'm worried we're missing out on doing what David is doing every single day. And we're in full-time ministry. If we're missing it, how many people are letting the opportunity slip by to change the lives of those around them? As I confessed my concerns to Nick, I realized they were bigger and deeper than just my concerns for our life, our family, our church. I'm worried we're missing it. We're missing our chance because we're too caught up in our own lives and in the fear that we'll do it wrong. David isn't missing his chance, but maybe I'm missing mine. And I know thousands of women who may be missing theirs. The words we need most. Every week for the last few years, typically on Tuesdays, I have an hour-long call with a stranger. I started taking these coaching calls a while ago because it got too hard to answer all the emails I'd get from women who want to use their gifts or get into ministry in some capacity. So I take one call a week. Sometimes this turns into an all-day session with a brave soul who is willing to come be in my actual space here in Charleston. I meet with hopeful writers, women's ministry leaders and volunteers, gals who have a small business idea they'd love to see come to fruition, I meet with single moms who want to start a small group or college students on the brink of entering the working world, desperate to discern their place in the kingdom. I lend advice. I help these women make a game plan, but more than anything, I state one message over and over and over again. You're the girl for the job. If I'm meeting with a college student who wants to write to other women about Jesus, I tell her, you're the girl for the job. A newly married gal finds herself unexpectedly pregnant and overwhelmed at the thought of being a mother. You're the girl for the job. Two friends who want to start a local ministry encouraging the women around them. You're the girls for the job. Is it negligent that I tell so many women the same thing? Is it false hope to spur them on to some spiritual work when I know it may be harder than they think? Shouldn't I be warning them that it may not go the way they want it to? Well, honestly, I don't think so. I find that many of us are pre-wired with fear, anticipate struggle, and carry a massive amount of doubt about our capacity. And honestly, we're not crazy. Life is hard. Loving others is messy. Very few people are wildly successful, and no one is immune from getting beat up when they're on mission. We aren't crazy for having fears. We're realistic. And what about our capacity? You know the old adage, she believed she could, so she did? I find that for me, just about nothing is further from the truth. I know my own natural capacity. It is very, very low. If left to my own devices, I'd watch Netflix and eat dairy-free yogurt all day long. I'd probably never enter into hard conversations or get out of my comfort zone. If I wanted to do things that made me feel capable, things that celebrated my strengths, I'd have a life that consisted of taking naps and making coffee. I'm naturally good at both of those things. If I worked only based on what I can do well in my own strength, I'd never have children, get married, do ministry, drive a car, write books, love my neighbors, go on vacation, 
live on mission, serve the homeless, lead a church, start businesses, have friends, or encourage anyone. I would never live. I would never love. I would never taste abundance. So how can I tell women every single week that they're the girl for the job? And what basis do I have for writing an entire book telling you the exact same thing? I'm certain the Holy Spirit was using David and his words that day in the spin class, but what grounds do I have to believe the encouragement that came my way that day? And every time I open the word of God, here's the secret. We are the girls for the job because of the God of all capacity, who not only calls us, but equips us and dwells within us, enabling us to carry out his plans. We are able to live, to love, to move, to repair, to receive, to heal, to hope because of him. We are the girls for the job, for this season, for this life, for the joy and blessing of those around us at this exact appointed time because God has placed us here. He's called us to be his ambassadors and he doesn't make mistakes. This is your invitation. This isn't a book about a spin class and it's honestly not even a book about us. In the name of Jesus, my prayer is that you'll find that every second of this book is about the God who made us good, set us free, called us holy, invited us on mission, and never wavers in his capability or his capacity. This is a book about the God who is right for the job, and it's an invitation to take your place as his co-heir, servant, and friend. This book won't puff you up and tell you that you have all you need, but it will point to the one who does. This book won't beckon you to be blind to your circumstances, but it will enlighten you to the truth that you're placed where you're at with what you've got on purpose. We're going to go on a journey, one that I pray will take you to a place of being able to boldly, humbly proclaim that you are the girl for the job the girl for the task he's given you, and the girl for every task he is going to give you in the future. More than that, I hope these words commission you as an ambassador to speak life and authority to those around you, telling them they are the girls, boys, men, women, people, children of God for the jobs that he's given them. We're going to dive into an others-focused mindset, setting our sights on their good and His glory and squashing the power of comparison and the feelings of inadequacy in one crushing blow. Partnering with the Holy Spirit, we'll dive back into our past, taking stock of where we've been and what He's given us. We'll look at our strengths, our weaknesses, our stories, and the tools we've been handed by a good father with new eyes, eyes that can see belief and hope. Next, we'll take God at his word and ask him for vision to see what it is he's called us to, not just in the present, but for the days and years to come. We won't approach him as though he's a genie in a bottle or a magic eight ball we can shake to find out the future. And we won't expect him to provide a detailed plan, but we will look to scripture for truth and stand firm on the promises that say he'll provide wisdom when we ask and that he'll tell us to go to the right or the left. See James 1.5 and Isaiah 30.21 respectively. This is our invitation to strip off defeat, Kick fear in the actual face 
and get over ourselves so we can get on with living the wild and wonderful mission he has for our lives. We're going to bring the scariest parts of stepping into our calling into the light to let him shine on them, exposing the lies that keep us hiding in the dark. Friends, while listening to this book, we're going to make a plan. And then in the name of Jesus, we're going to begin making moves that align with his call on our lives. We're not just going to affirm that we're the girls for the job. We're going to agree with our actions. This is your invitation. This is our invitation. It is for those of us who are burdened and broken, beat up by the sin of others and the inadequacies of our own lives. It's for those of us who took a break when it got too hard. And it's for those of us who never took the first step because it was too scary. This is an invitation for the women of God who have been stepping into the call of God on their lives for years to keep going, to keep fighting. This is an invitation to not miss it, to not miss out on the thrilling and heart-wrenching life of love that God has for us. Because I don't believe David should get to have all the fun. And I don't believe we want to live in a world where a spin class speaks more truth than a sisterhood of women who have taken God out his word to rise up and love with all we've got. This book is for you. It's your invitation to leave behind defeat and disbelief and to permanently believe that God is who he says he is and that because of this, you are exactly who he's made you to be on purpose. You're the girl for the job. If you're ready to get to work, Keep listening. Hey friends, you might have heard me talk recently about Dear Heart Designs. They're a jewelry and accessory company that I've just come in contact with that I am loving. They make incredible, beautiful pieces of jewelry that also give back to women around the world Every single month, they choose from a pool of applicants that are in need of support or funding for their mission trips, their adoptions, or causes. And a portion of every single purchase from that month goes back to support the selected woman on mission. I love their passion for creating handcrafted, intentionally designed jewelry that equips women to spread the love of Jesus around the world. And I also love they're giving you guys a discount code. You can use the code JESS15 to get 15% off your first order from DearHeartDesigns.com. All right, that was it. Hey, here's your reminder. If you have not pre-ordered, you are the girl for the job. We have a ton of gifts for you. When you pre-order two copies of the book, one of them can be the audiobook, One can be the printed book. One can be a digital book, any combo you like. When you pre-order two copies of You Are the Girl for the Job, we give you a ton of gifts. We give you the first three chapters of the book free immediately to download. We give you access to our fall coaching series that begins in just a few weeks. We give you a 20% discount to the Go and Tell Gal shop to get whatever you need and a handful of teaching videos that are just from me to you to encourage you in your walk with God. So run to youarethegirlforthejob.com, pre-order those two copies however you like and get all your free gifts. I love you and I pray that you enjoyed listening to the first bit of You're the Girl for the Job. Mm-hmm.